Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck, a.k.a. the final boss. I'm the last man standing. Ultimo Ombre out here on the Heavy Hole Podcast. Uh, I'm here with my cat, alone, in my podcast uh, facility here in my office, man. Shout out to my team behind the scenes, man. Tom and Justin all day, all my co-hosts. I give everybody the day off for Labor Day about a week ago, and I haven't seen them since, man. But shout out to everybody wherever they are, man. Having a nice little siesta out there, man. Come on back anytime you're ready. Um, <clears throat> I've been busy myself, uh, as I've been saying to people behind the scenes, commiserating with my head hanging low. I bit off a little more than I could chew this summer. Um, but it was a, it was a beautiful bite. Um, uh, shout out to uh, uh, Ian Coney's, um, Nick Didkowski, uh, um, Hudson Barth, Rick Habib. Everybody holding me down lately. All of our guests that we've had, man. Um, it's been a, it's been a bumpy road. Late August, late August got a little funny, got a little fuzzy out there, man. I, 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 I promise you, I wasn't driving. I had a designated driver. Um, it's always Tom Solman. Shout out to my producer. But um, I, I do have the calendar out. I'm reviewing for the fall. I don't have a lot of shows coming up for the fall. There's no tours planned at the moment. Although there's there's always things percolating behind the scene. Um, so right now I'm focusing refocusing on the podcast, recalibrating behind the scenes, reaching out to people. As I've said in the, uh, in the past few weeks, if you're somebody I've spoken to while out on the road, uh, I did a, did a number of tours with some of my bands, a number of shows from my bands this summer. Um, uh, we spoke about get, getting you on the podcast and you have heavy whole podcast at gmail.com. Hit me up. Come on. If you got my phone number, why haven't I heard back from you? Come on. The phone works two ways. Um, it, I'm busy over here. I'm a, I can't say I'm a one man operation, but with, you know, when it comes to the booking, I'm very fickle. The guys learned a long time ago to back off. Let will, let will cook just like the merch table. They're scared to even touch the merch table. Sometimes these guys, man, um, shout, but you know, this, shout, speaking of merch table, shout to angry mom records in Ithaca, New York, upstate New York. Had a beautiful time up there. It's like a, a record store above a bookstore and a little college square area uh anal birth performed there it was nice didn't get arrested um and uh zembo temple of skate and design in philly zembo temple of skate and design in philadelphia having a lot of cool all ages gore noise and hardcore and adjacent events like we got there for this anal birth event and um there, there were flyers on, on the on the door. I said, all right, so it's not the only, you know, adjacent type of thing here. Sometimes you show up and, you know, you're the only uh, extreme type of act. Damn it. So shout out to them. We had a good time over there, man. Um, uh, and coming home after, you know, I did a lot of stuff on the, I've talked about the last few weeks. We were out there on the road. I met a few of you guys listening to the podcast. I appreciate you very much. Um, but it was beautiful to come back and perform at Massapequa VFW Hall. Been hearing a lot about this place. They've been having a lot of shows, doing a lot for the local underground music scene. Really glad that um, my band Exsanguinated was able to get a little piece of the pie out there um, with Funeral Dancer. Um, shout out to Nick Luizzi. We interviewed Nick Luizzi a long time ago. Uh, shout out to all the guys in Funeral Dancer. Um, love seeing those guys around. Glad to, to share the, the floor with them. Not the stage, the floor at the VFW Hall. That's the appeal. Um, and also D-Command. Uh, local band you should check out um coming out on creeping on the come up and uh, of course um also we were at St. Vitus with Afterbirth uh Dysrhythmia and um uh I'm going to say Zelenaya 
Um, I, I probably mispronounced it. I, I, I'm, everybody knows I don't pronounce things correctly. But a beautiful time out there at St. Vitus. Always great coming out, coming back to the St. Vitus bar in Brooklyn, New York, man. Um, uh, uh, like coming home after I've been out on the road for a few days, man. So that was great, man. We did a little special set. Uh, featuring some of the more instrumental numbers, that kind of sent me on a. T- I got some recommendations. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm delivering on the recommendations later. I know I'm flying solo tonight. You don't have the wit and banter of my um, courageous co-hosts. I will have them back in, in certain order. We're gonna, we're going back to, we're cracking the books and going back to school for the fall for, with this podcast, with the format, with the booking, with everything. I'm um, doing a little spring cleaning in my notebook uh, and in the emails. Um, I see you guys out there, but. Um, I do have some recommendations, but this this show that we played with Afterbirth was fortunate enough to open up for Dysrhythmia. Um, that got me going down the the, the wormhole of that uh, extended network of musicians that Dysrhythmia is kind of part of by way of the New York scene. Um, and I whipped out a lot of my Kralis tapes. Uh, shout out to Colin Marston, always hooking me up with the tapes. Uh, uh, Kralis, um, interesting band to explore, man. I'm just going to leave it at that. We're going to have to get into that in a future episode and have some of those guys back on. It's been a while. Uh, or on for the first time, I should say, depending on who, man. But again, like I say, the booking is opening up here, man. Um, but I, again, just just, just a big shout to Kralis. Been listening to those tapes lately, man. And along with, um, I got this, I think I got this from Hell's Headbanger, Cynic Euroboric Forms. Uh, a collection of demo tracks predating their albums. Um, very interesting to listen to. Also, alternate versions of songs um, uh, with the, the singer of uh, Viogression, if I got that right, man. Um, and another little uh, 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 lore drop, if you listen to our Viogression episode going back, man. So, um, But yeah, like, like I said, man, we're, we're, we're cleaning the house up here, man. I, I was a little late with the shout, shout out to our guest tonight. I was a little late on the, on the thing. I had a problem. Shout out to uh, Ace Auto, my mechanic, man, and Audio Planet. I got finally got the Jeep, uh, the stereo back working in the Jeep. I can bump CDs uh, again. Had a great time going to rehearsal today, man. Got that fixed. Uh, but I was a little late, man. Uh, so I'm just working a lot lately. Um, uh, and, and our guest today, we're going to talk about that, too. We have something in common with work. And he was a very um, courteous man when I explained I, I had some, some uh, vehicle problems. We rescheduled the interview. So with no further ado, shout out to Jordan... Mamaluke, and we're going to get to the bottom of that right off the bat, too. Uh, vocalist of Immortal Suffering, here to talk about his experience uh, growing up on Long Island, getting into metal, and so on and so forth. Yeah, my actual last name is Fontana. The Mama Luke thing actually came about uh, through a couple mutual friends of mine, my closest friends. We were all into wrestling, and the Mama Luke thing is actually uh, from a wrestling tag team from back in the day called the Full Blown Italians. You got Tony Mama Luke, and you got a uh, Big Guido. So, all came right, from those dudes. Can I just keep all that? Start as a joke. Yeah. All right, because I'm here. This is Big Will Heavy Hole Podcast. We're rolling, and I'm here with Jordan Mamaluke. He just explained it for you. 
um, coming in hot. Jordan, thank you for your time. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, dude. Stoked to be here. Of course, it's been too long. Um, we we want to break it down for people who may not be aware of your uh, catalog as of as of yet and all that sort of thing. But let's start where we always start. Um, are you from a musical family? Musicians uh, other than you? Um, we know that maybe there was some some pro wrestling involved, but what about heavy metal and hard rock? Was there anyone that steered you into that as a kid? Um, and and just you know that that sort of thing. As far as like musicians go in my family, there wasn't really like any real musicians besides like people that just like to jam. Like my cousin, for example, my cousin was a bass player. He used to play in a Sublime like tribute band back in the day or whatever. Sick. So I kind of got like some of the early bands I was into from him, like you know, like Ozzy, Merciful Fate. He sh- he would show me like Soundgarden and all this like stuff. So yeah, I started early with that, and then uh, I found like heavier stuff later through the years on a uh, music choice when that was still going on and stuff. So that's where I found like crowbar huh. and like, you know, Slipknot and all these other like bigger bands. And I just branched out from there. All right, man. Are you originally from Long Island? Yeah. Originally born and raised, settled in New York. Got it. I, Cause I do remember seeing you around before I really knew you at shows when you were much younger, probably like, I'm thinking like uh, uh, the Even Flow bar and grill shows, uh, cognitive yeah, internal even, bleeding, yeah, Even Flow days and yeah. shit. Also, uh, what Kaminsky Park, ah. St. James, that whole era. I started going to shows back in like 2008. Yeah, yeah, man. So did it, before that, then like you talked about Crowbar, Music Choice, shout to Music Choice. When did things start? When do you start getting introduced to? You said two thousand eight, but how does it get underground? How does it get to the point where you're more aware of uh, hardcore death metal? Um, not exactly, or not exactly stuff that's available on Music Choice. Um, that's simply because of YouTube, YouTube CDs that that were left for me in this old CD case that was gifted by. Same thing, my cousins and, like, other family members that, like, you know. Jordan, you're cutting out again, man. Jordan, you muted yourself again, I think, dude. Can you hear me now? Now you're back on, yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that, everybody. I don't know why it keeps doing that. <laughs> it's, 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 according, according to what it's telling me is you're muting it on your end. I don't know if it's something with the signal or something. Yeah, I was in a bad spot. It's a little rough out here. All right, man. It's rough out here on Long Island. <laughs> All right. So, so, um, but no, so you have family members, cousins, people are kind of getting you into the flow of things. You have, uh, it sounds like some, some older relatives that are, um, you know, into music, like you said. Uh, yeah. Tell me about your first underground show. My first underground show. Um, my first real underground show was probably Suffocation at the Crazy Donkey back in like 2011. Mm. That was probably my first real underground show. I I was <laughs> I was there, but I was not inside. 
I I went there and I was trying to hand out buckshot facelift CDs in the parking lot to people. Um, with shout out to Big Frank, with my boy Frank, and the a security guy came up. Uh, that was 2011, way before COVID, and he had like a big face mask on, like like just like a tough guy face mask on. He got my face like I was paparazzi or something. He was like, "No, no, no, you can't do that here. You can't like like pressed up on me." And like and uh, and and kicked us out of the parking lot. He was like, "Do you have a ticket to be here?" I was like, "No, I'm just handing out promotional CD." No, 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 no. Guy just fucking. Uh, I don't know, man. Long, Long Island has a tumultuous history with cocaine. I don't know if that's related or not, but um, that's that. I just wanted to share that. That you just you just brought me like a flashback through through time to talking about Suffolk yeah, with the man. crazy donkey. Yeah, dude. So t- all right. So I'm sorry to interject. Um, tell me about your experience at that Suffolk show. Um, well, that was the first time I ever got a concussion because I got, because I got spin kicked really hard in the, (laughs) really hard in the head. So that was fun. That was like the most memorable, memorable thing that I remember from that show. Besides like obviously suffocation, stealing the show. Wow. Real rite of passage for you then, huh? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, dude. (laughs) Does that what a time. now I've seen you perform live, I've seen you develop yourself as a front man. Um does that factor into your pit calls and the way you, and and the, you have a very New York, very Long Island style of addressing the crowd in that respect. I mean, that's a you're speaking from personal experience. Yeah, I mean, I didn't start like doing like the pit calls and stuff into my performance uh after I was playing drums in a band at one point called get ignorant it was like more like party beat downy stuff yes and like yes, that was yes. yeah i don't know if you remember that band was that uh pete to the that point with uh yeah pete proto pete proto I, pete. I haven't seen him around in a few years um yeah yeah like yeah. doing his own thing these days i don't know shout to pete and uh his various family members that was uh um i i, I always enjoyed seeing him around nice guy yeah but yeah, over, overall, like the way he conducted himself, like with getting people going and stuff and all the people he introduced me to, it made me show more of an appreciation for hardcore and stuff. So that was like my introduction to hardcore when I joined that band and everything. That's when I found like bands like World of Pain and everything. And I liked the way yeah. uh, they always like conducted themselves, the attitude. So I don't know. I thought it was like something different. It'll be very like New York, there yeah, that type of vibe. So, yeah. What what was that twenty? Now you just brought me back talking about Pete. Was it twenty nineteen? I ran into you and Pete at the Morbid Angel Cannibal Corpse Blood Incantation uh, Necrot show in New York City. You remember I don't that? I think I was at that one. You weren't there. No, I don't think so. Okay, man. All right, man. I'm bugging. I'm over here bugging, bro. It's Friday afternoon. <laughs> Um, yeah, I need to get a white claw before I get the shakes. Uh, so, <laughs> so when do you, when did, did you always, you said you started out on the, on drums. Did you always play drums or was this just hopping in, seeing what you could do? I mean, like, um, yeah, I've, I've always like known decent enough how to play and everything. I'm self-taught, but I don't know. It was always my favorite thing to do besides like the singing, but I started off as a drummer and I didn't get into the singing until like 
I was like in middle school. And at that point, that's when they make you choose either like the band or like the orchestra or like chorus or whatever. I decided to try something different and I tried a uh, chorus. And that's when I got like the basic like technique for like breathing and stuff for like you know, regular singing. And so I, I use that. And uh, I just experimented with my voice and tried to come up with something cool. I don't know. But the type of music I already like. Okay, okay, so did you play drums in any bands before Get Ignorant? No, Get Ignorant was my first ever band that I ever played drums for. Do you, do you still play drums? Do you still mess around? Or? Yeah, yeah, I actually uh, currently have a, another band that I play drums for called uh, Burrito Bell. What like is, some what is party. it? It's called Burrito Bell. <laughs> All right, man, no doubt. Yeah, it's like party grindcore or whatever you want to call it. We gotta set it's you fun. set you guys up a party cannon, man. Um, yeah. All right. All right. So I wanted to clarify that because this you said something that I did want to dig into. So you you took um, in middle school, which for for listeners who are who aren't from the area, that's you know eleven, twelve, thirteen years old, roughly, right? Um, yeah. You you took lessons in school on singing, which included breathing technique. And yeah. you and you now use that singing for Immortal Suffering and and other death metal bands that you fronted. Yeah, just like the breathing and stuff. Obviously, sound just came just out of you know just random experimentation. Yeah, well, this is important to me because one of my big um, and I'll admit this one one of my big shortcomings as a, as a death metal vocalist is breathing technique. I've kind of learned how to do my own thing over the years, but I was never. Yeah. Never took formal lessons. I'm kind of very stubborn and set in my ways with certain things. What right there with you <laughs> for yeah? Well, for listeners who are curious about this and curious about death metal vocals, like what do you mean by breathing technique? Like, is there a way you could kind of just break it down in layman terms? Um, what what you're doing compared to like you know a mistake you might make not knowing about breathing technique? I mean, I feel a lot of it has to do with like how hard you push yourself and everything. Mm. Like I've come across like many different like vocalists or whatever over the years. And I watched them blow their voice, blow their voice out. And I always ask them, how do you end up making that happen? They're like, well, I, I think I pushed myself too hard. I'm like, well, you need to learn how to stay a little more like relaxed when you're doing your thing. And you'll be able to hold out notes more. And it also really depends on like, tongue placement in your mouth, you know. Yeah. That type of deal. Yeah, there's something to be said for um yeah. it's not all about volume. It's not all about getting the loudest sound. I've seen people who don't know anything about um vocals or who kind of approach it as a joke you know anyone can do a type of thing and they think it's just about like screaming as loud as you possibly can and you know after like about 10 seconds of that you're kind of you're, you're done so there is there is yeah. i know what you mean i've kind of like i've kind of learned on my own my own um uh black market breathing breathing technique but i just found it fascinating that you learned uh you know in school and and uh did so now 
I know you um, from, obviously, from, from Get Ignorant and then from Coronary Thrombosis, who you did front for a while, and yeah. you did the vocals on their first demo, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, correct, sir. Is that like your first, like, you know, quote-unquote real bands where you're fronting and doing vocals like that? I mean, before before that band, I was in a I was in a hardcore band for for like about like three years doing vocals. I was singing in this band called uh, AIDS Cannon, which was with also Pete. Pete, yeah, yeah, yeah. Except that time around, that's when I started like singing. So I was trying a little, little, little something different, but like I could never really grasp like the whole like hardcore vocal style and everything like the shouts i don't know for some reason i'm not capable of it so i just try to like add like death metal vocals into the hardcore mix and it worked for a while then like i don't know things happen move on that's how i found coronary and like yeah that's when we decided to go like full-on chaotic well well, like that demo, it was it was a good breath of fresh air for me. But yeah, that was my first like real band before like Immortal. Yeah, because Coronary from the go. I mean, I know I've kept up with them, um, but I, it's been a while now since you were in the band. Uh, but you guys yeah. did play a number of shows right off the jump when you were when you were fronting the band, right? Yeah, the first ever show that we ever we ever did together. After I only jammed with them maybe like twice or three times, we. Opened up for uh, Immolation and Blood Incantation. Mm. Yeah, Blackthorn 51, when that place was still going on. I was there. Um, at that point, I knew Coronary Thrombosis as Maddie Death uh, of, yep. Cere- of Cerebral Hemorrhage's um, uh, new band at that point. Uh, Maddie Death has since parted ways with the band, I know, but big shout to him. Um, yep, shout out Maddie. Old old friend of mine from the death from the local death metal community for many many years now, and um, I you know I know he he since probably like I said he parted ways with the band, but it's good to have that demo at least have some I something a little bit uh, more to his catalog. Uh, yeah. So you you cut the demo with them, you play shows with them, right off the right off the jump, you're you're, you're opening up for Immolation and Blood Incantation. Those are very professional bands. What was that experience like? Because it was also at a venue that is not necessarily as underground as it is more commercial rock circuit. I I, I would say, yeah. if you know what I'm saying, respectfully, you know what I mean? It's, it wasn't, it wasn't, yeah, a, I, yeah. I hundred yeah. percent get it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, honestly, I was kind of really nervous up there because that was probably one of the bigger crowds I've ever played for. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It was definitely a new experience, but it was fun. It's fun for what it was. You know, I, I I personally thought my performance was terrible. But, I don't know, we're all our worst enemy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me about it, dude. I Nowadays, in the age of um, uh, YouTube, um, shout, shout out to Frank Wang for, for always replaying, like, the most embarrassing moments uh, of my performances, man. Um, not that he intends to, man, but we just always have that ability to, to, to reflect back on our performances on YouTube now. And pick apart the, the <laughs> yep. tiniest little mistakes that no one else notices, but we do, man. It's it's just a symptom of it. Um, yep. I I, th- I think it, I think everyone does it, dude. But I was there actually. I remember it, man. It was it was a cool show. 
So with coronary thrombosis, you kind of cut your chops. Immortal suffering, if the listeners uh, remember, we've had, um, uh, first we had Leo. Uh, Leo. Yep, Leo. Leo, I'm sorry, again, I'm having a senior moment for the listeners. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, upfront about it. Uh, Leo, we interviewed, uh, who was an OG member of Immortal Suffering, and he ended up leaving the band shortly, I think like a week after we dropped that interview. And there was no, yeah. there was no mention of it in the, in the interview, but it was still a sick interview. Shout out to Leo. Um, and then constantly, shortly after that, we interviewed Joe from Immortal Suffering, um, and got like a, an even more comprehensive breakdown of the band. Uh, it's, it's, I have my own history with Immortal Suffering as, you know, from my generation, remembering them from back in the day. Uh, so I just wanted to get a little bit of your input now as someone who is kind of holding the torch for the younger generation and, um, part of the, uh, this, you know, this, this current lineup of the band in the same way that so many other death metal bands survive nowadays by recruiting new blood. Were you familiar with Immortal Suffering? Uh, prior to joining the band, was it was it a situation where you had to do a little research on the band uh, when you realized they were auditioning singers? How how did it all come about? Take me through it from your perspective. All right, so I was always familiar with Immortal Suffering prior because like a few of my bands in the past have gotten to open up for them, including Coronary Thumb Thrombosis. So we were all in the same circle as is. That's how I got connected with Joe, and how Joe like found me he came to a coronary thrombosis show at a shaker's pub out in oakdale and uh he saw me do my thing he came up to me right after the set we were all having drinks and everything having shots having a good old time he's like hey i don't know what you're doing man but like um like we're we're looking for a new singer right now i don't know if you want to come down and try out and at first, I'm thinking like, uh, this is uh, he's he's got to be like joking around or whatever. Why is he want like some like youngster like me like filling in those shoes? Because I've seen the band and I see how they like put themselves out there, and I know it's a bigger name. So in disbelief, so I let it sit for like a couple weeks, and then like I switch back out, and I'm like, hey, is that? Is that opportunity still like available to me? And Joe like tells me, yeah. So I want you to learn like a couple of songs. And some of the early songs I learned from the Mortal Suffering was uh, "Nothing Left," uh, uh, "Suffering of the Immortal," just to name a couple, and everything. And I came down and tried out, and like we banged through those two songs real quick. And Leo turns to me and is like, "So are you coming back next week?" And I'm like. All right, I guess we're doing this. And yeah, the rest is history. And the first show I ever played with the band was out in Mississippi. So that was definitely a different experience. Mississippi. All right, so you you join the band, you jam. Typically, you'd think the first show would be like in Queens or on Long Island or something like that. Yeah, I mean that's a whole different. I've been, shout to Mississippi. I've performed in Mississippi and been down there myself. Um, Mikey Stack from False Gods moved down there. Um, surprisingly really? enough, he, he makes it work. Yeah. So tell me about that, man. Like the area in Mississippi. Well, <laughs> this this I was talking about the show. You fly down what? to 
You, is that your first out-of-state show ever with any band? Uh, no, I mean, like, I've, well, like, outside of the tri-state more so. Yeah, yeah. First, yeah. yeah first show out of the tri-state, yeah. Yeah, what? Mississippi was my first time. Was that also... It was, it was a lot of... What was that? I'm sorry, pardon me. I just wanted to ask, was that with Ray Lebron? Because Immortal Suffering was doing the yeah. two-singer two thing at the time, right? Yeah. At that show, actually, me and me and Ray only got to jam at one time, and that was on stage. <laughs> we never practiced prior. We always practiced as like a, like a one-singer sing. That sounds... So. Um, Sounds a little bit hair, uh, hair raising, but I'm sure you got through it, man. It it was it was very hair raising. Was there a good was there a good crowd there at least? Yeah, yeah, we sold out of all of our merch before we even got to play the show. Um, it was a pretty packed house and everything. A lot of people supported. They treated us well. You know, shout out to the guys in Perceptions at Torment. They really took care of us. I don't know. Good people. I would go back if we uh, got invited. Yeah, dude, that's been my experience when I'm down south. Uh, Southern hospitality is real. And there's certain, I'm not going to shit on New York, but there are places where they love New York bands even more than New York, it seems, sometimes. Um, oh, yeah, 100%. You, you know, dude? So at some point, though, you become the sole singer. Because for people who don't realize, Immortal Suffering historically had... Um, uh, two singers at, at most points and on recordings and things like that. You now are the sole singer. Take me through that transition um, a little bit. I mean, we've kind of gotten the stories, you know, from from the other guys we've interviewed and things like that. But just from your perspective personally, as someone, you're, you're coming into the band. Um, I know Ray was living in another state at that point or something along those lines, and then now you... Um, you know, it just made more sense for you to take over as vocals. How do you approach that? Do you incorporate some of the older parts in there and try to do a little bit of each? Or Yeah, I, I try to, like, generally base my whole, like, flow with all the songs, like, based around, like, how it used to be structured. But to make it easier as, like, a like a soul, like, frontman thing, I added my own little twist to it. So it still kind of feels the same, but not really. Huh. If that makes sense, yeah, dude, I get it, man. Um, and yeah, try yeah, trying trying to make up for for some of those older songs um, is tough. But tell me about the newer material now, because I know you guys just released a new EP, right? Yeah, it's Extreme Torture. Yeah, so that's actually your what is that your second release? Recording vocals with Immortal Suffering. Yeah, the first one was uh, when we did that first version of Conceived in a Crack House. All right, so so tell me about, like, do you have lyrical input, or is that more like it's Joe's baby? How does that work? Well, all the lyrics and stuff are, like, more written by me. I'm pretty self-conscious about my lyrics, so I don't really, like, put my lyrics out there. But, like, a lot of my lyrics are based on my experiences at my job and everything. I've told you before about it, but like for those that don't know, I work in psych. I work with forensic type of psychos. And yeah, so you can only imagine the type of lyrical content you can get out of that. I appreciate it's pretty interesting stuff. 
I appreciate you sharing that because that was something I wanted to ask you about. I didn't know how much you wanted to get into it on the podcast, but yeah, your job, your quote unquote day job outside of death metal. Um, we've talked to people in the medical field. Uh, you know, people know that I myself have a job where I, uh, interact with people who have disabilities and that sort of thing. I don't know if you want to get into it, but yeah, you, you've, um, immortal suffering, interestingly enough, has always had this vibe with the lyrics where they, they dabbled in the occult and the, and the gore, just like a lot of other nineties bands. Um, but conceived in a crack house also seems appropriate. There's something very streetwise and, and, and reality based too in a lot of their stuff. Um, you know, I had famous, I'd asked the guys in the other interviews about that famous voicemail, uh, you know, the, the wishing, wishing someone in the band dead over, over a, you know, a failed relationship voicemail. We got into that in the other interviews, but there's just seemed to be a, a, a one foot of immortal suffering that was always based in reality in terms of the aesthetic. And when you come yeah. along with your life experience, get, get into that a little bit, man. I, you know, obviously we don't, we don't need names and things like that, but I don't know if you've got experiences you want to touch on or just how that relates to the lyrics a little bit more. I'm sure the listeners would be very interested in that. I mean, like, it's just, uh, trying to think of how I can really, like, put it all into, like, words. All right, so, for example, like, Conceited in the Crack House, we, I'll be honest, I actually base that a lot about, like, the scenery and, like, Mississippi and stuff. Mm. Not shit, not Mississippi, but, like, it had a very, like, crack house type of vibe like you got the cement walls everywhere and every everything like there's people like doing drugs around and like that made me think like you know what that kind of sparks a name so i just talked about the entire like scene down there and then like as far as like the other songs go frenzied hallucinations is actually about like one of my one of my residents who is actually in there because she actually killed her whole family. Think of like an Amityville horror type of type of scenario where you start to get like, you know, hallucinations in your head, voices or whatever makes you want to do heinous things. So wow. she snapped. Wow. Wow. I've, and then, uh, I, what was that? No, I'm sorry. Continue. I'll tell, I'll, I'll relate after. Oh, sorry. Um, and uh, the other songs are pretty much like based around like similar scenarios to that. But yeah, in my opinion, it's a lot more effective to talk about like reality than like some like fake fictional stuff, like you would typically like you would typically get from a lot of like like bands these days. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's heavy. Um... There's like so much more I can like so much more I can really like get into. It's just like hard to really put into words. I well, like giving too much detail. I know, <laughs> I know, I hear you. There, you and I have spoken uh, with, without recording devices <clears throat> because it, I, I have never, I've, I've never had to process or deal with any anyone um, uh, who's committed that sort of thing. But I, you know, I, I have my own experience uh, uh dealing with some of the darker sides of humanity um and how the people from a fragile population are treated uh yeah to so health is extremely misunderstood yeah and like 
people don't realize treating people with like those disabilities, like even the littlest thing like autism can can definitely eventually trigger them to a point where they're going to eventually snap. If you're really going to just bully them that hard. People are despicable in that sense, you know? Yeah, people can be very cruel. Um, yeah. You know, the othering and that sort of thing that goes on, man. Definitely, man. Shout out to our, if any of our listeners uh, are living uh, with a disability, autism, or anything of that sort, you know, or, or uh, some sort of psychiatric problem. Cheers to you, man. Um, we, yeah, you ain't alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true, though, man. I have a, I have a close friend um, who has, bi- has been diagnosed with bipolar schizophrenia. Um, and he's, he's from an older generation. Uh, you know, he's, he's, um, he's in his mid sixties now. Um, an old neighbor of mine that I help out sometimes, man. And, and he's, it's not a stereotypical case. I don't think this guy's, you know, I don't think this guy would ever hurt anybody, but at the same time you see how people struggle. Um, and you see, you see the reality of it compared to like the, the more like, like Hollywood version of it or whatever, or the Reddit version. I don't know. But, but, um, uh, it, it is a reality, man, and and you know people whether you, whether you accept it or like it or not, you know people these the people with mental illness and all sorts of di- um, different issues walk amongst us. So it's it's in society's uh, benefit, I think, to address these these things head head on. But I'll let me step off of um, the 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 pulpit now, um, the soapbox now. I, I I really appreciate that insight you gave, um, and I'm a little. Uh, uh, I'm at almost a loss for words at that one particular case you mentioned that was similar to the Amityville. If people don't realize this, a lot of people see, they might hear me talk on the podcast about Amityville musical. The town of Amityville here on Long Island has, has a lot of notoriety, obviously, because the Amityville horror movies and the book and all. And a lot of that, regardless of what you believe in the supernatural or what has or hasn't been proven about the house, a lot of that boils down to the case of the young man who, who who killed his entire family in their sleep one night and was institutionalized yep. here on Long Island for many years, right? Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if we should. I don't know if you want to. Um, I wouldn't ask you to state the actual, you know, facility or who you work for, that sort of thing. But just working... Oh, I worked for... What was that? Go, go ahead if you want to. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not ashamed. Um, I work for Pilgrim Psychiatric Center. Okay, yeah, Pilgrim State Psychiatric. Well, not not shame, but yeah, if, you know, go you, go ahead, man. Um, I just for the <laughs> for, for the listeners, that's a very infamous place here on Long Island. Um, and, yep. and you know, I, I like I said, I do have close personal friends who have been there and other comparable facilities. Um, so it, it's. <sighs> You know, this is a death metal discussion, but the way you the phrase of getting into the lyrics, I also think of how it's influenced some of my own lyrics. The idea um, of mental illness and of uh, and where it intersects with society. Uh, it's 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 very interesting, man. You know, we have Kings Park Psychiatric Center here on Long Island, which is a long closed facility um, that has just kind of remained. It's like ha- half a part of it is like a park. And another part of it is just buildings that they won't knock down because of asbestos. Um, so they yeah, just the sit there. It's horrendous. <laughs> it, it's insane when you really think about it. It's big for graffiti people. It's big for urban explorers. There's lots of urban lore around it. Uh, apparently, there are yeah. you know homeless people have been in and out of there a lot over the. It's crazy that it's still standing at this day and age. They've proposed plans and things to do with it, um, but they're they're. 
I've heard stories. My father, rest in peace, uh, worked in construction his whole life, and, and he did projects for that facility back when it still housed uh, the mentally ill and people with de- developmental disabilities. And he would tell me stories sometimes about how people would, um, they would, you know, they would, <laughs> they would hear people having sex off in the woods, and it was it was loose. It was loosely run. Um, oh yeah, you know. And then I won an older gentleman, a senior citizen with a developmental disability, who I once worked for transporting. Um, I learned quickly. I had to f- I'd find another route. I couldn't drive past the old grounds of the of the King's, Kings Park Psychiatric Center because he would get upset. He told me they used to threaten to throw me in the incinerator. That's you know, okay. So this is yeah 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 yeah. So I think I I don't want to get too dark on this podcast, but if we're if we're keeping it real, and you and I have related experiences, um, uh, you know that influence our lyrics and our perspective on things. It's it's only right that we get these things out through art, uh, and through oh, writing absolutely. as lyricists. Um, you know I think it's appropriate as long as we don't expose anybody or put anyone's names out there, which we don't. Yep. Um. That that being said, Jordan. Um. Maybe do you want to do you want to let's I'm trying to steer the narrative back to death metal and underground death metal. I feel we've touched on that a lot. If, if obviously if you want to talk any more about it, feel free. Um, but this newest uh, release by Immortal Suffering. Remind me the name again. I'm sorry. Extreme torture. Extreme. Tor- I didn't want to get it wrong. Let's talk about that, and let's talk about anything that specifically went into those songs and into that 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 title and into this release. Uh, and where people can hear it and check it out if they're interested. I mean, well, you could hear you could hear like the EP and all like streaming YouTube. Um, uh, you could find it on Spotify, you know, iTunes and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, and that's also it's also dropped by uh, Severed Records. Shout and, to, uh, shout how to we got Barrett. Name is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, shout to Barrett, Severed Records, Rochester. Yeah, go. I'm sorry. Yeah, go man. Yeah, dude rules. Um, but yeah, we got ex- uh, the title "Extreme Torture." Pretty much, pretty to me, it pretty much means like internal, like torture, like internal dread, mm. and everything. So that's kind of that's kind of like where the name like comes from, and I think it kind of flows for for mortal suffering. Like you're suffering for the rest of your eternity, so feel makes sense. There's, there's in death metal. There's a kind of, especially I, you know, again with immortal suffering and certain bands, there's a tendency to be blunt uh, with the lyrics yeah. and straight to the point. But there's always a little bit of depth behind it too. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I appreciate that, man. Uh, so now you guys, I know, I know you guys seemed the lately, obviously, cause you were working on this latest release, uh, maybe not as much, but you guys were very busy, uh, in the earlier part of this year and maybe even a little bit of last year, right? Yeah. I, I know you were out there doing a lot of the fests and it's, it seemed like you guys, yeah. you guys set up shop in Texas for a few months or something. I don't know. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we, we try to get the name out there a little more and more. I mean, um, yeah, we mainly try to like steer towards like fest or whatever because I don't know, it's just easier to be exposed to like more people and meet like you know, tons more like friends. But like, I don't know, lately we've also been like trying to discuss like trying to go on tour more and everything since like the few tours we've done already. 
especially with our uh, our brothers in Pyrexia, like we realized, you know what? We can actually do the touring thing a little more. So seeing what we can do, especially when it comes to work and everything, not everybody can take off all the time. It gets to be a little tough, but we do what we can. Yeah, that that's and I think sometimes, not all the time, some supporters uh, and fans of underground music don't necessarily see that side of it. Um, I'm not even going to pigeonhole younger people, or, any, or or I'm not going to put age into the equation or anything. I'm just going to say there's certain people who maybe have not played in a band themselves, which is fun. No, you know, like, um, but you know, are, are on the, are the supporting end of music that don't understand why their favorite bands can't get out there. They'll see a band play. Who's very talented and original and say, why aren't they signed? Um, but people don't see the, the, that end of it of how, you know, putting yourself out there and, and, and getting the miles in out of state. And it really goes so far to, you have to put the work in, um, yeah. and, and, and get the, get the band out there. Even with a band that has a legacy name like that, it's almost like you have to keep stirring the pot. Um, now, I I know this from having been I'm I'm the new guy in Afterbirth, um, yeah. you know, and I feel a certain responsibility to kind of like uphold tradition in a way. Maybe even more like the yeah. other guys might feel. I've, sometimes I think the other guys might feel more freedom to do something different because they've always been in the band where I have to kind of support the legacy a little bit. I'm not saying you should feel like that, but I wanted to get your perspective in that respect. Um, Just because, you know, I know what it's like to join a band uh, that's been, that has a legacy going back and that sort of thing. And then you end up interacting with fans who, who fans who have known the band almost longer than you have in a, in a sense, man. I just wanted to see if if you want to touch on that. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, at first it was a little discover it was a little like nerve-wracking because like it's like big shoes to fill yeah and everything but like when people like started like seeing how i how i do my thing or whatever and like the friendships i developed it's made me a lot more like comfortable where i could just you know add my own spin to everything and eh, you know eventually i just made a name for my own self and everything yeah, man, and shout yeah, shout to the uh, the Mike DeSalvos and the George Corpse Grinder Fishers uh, of the world, all the guys who um, uh, came in uh, a little a little ways into the discography, a little ways into the catalog, man. And de- I think in death metal and extreme metal in particular, um, it's a little bit more welcoming to that because people understand uh, just how much pressure this music puts on people to keep up and keep going, especially if the band keeps going through the years. Shout out to Joe for that reason. Um, yeah, really. Uh, yeah, without Joe, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah, and you, you, you know, you talked about Selden. I don't know if you're still out there or not, but you, you know, you're still on Long yep. Island. I know, still in Selden. Immortal Suffering, like we talked about with those guys, is a Queens-based band. Um, I, I don't know now, for listeners especially who aren't from New York, who don't know Long Island and New York City traffic and congestion. Uh, uh, it's not, I know for you, I know it's not an easy task for you to rehearse and and go back and forth like you're about to do tonight after the interview. Thank you for making the time. Yeah, dude, dude, it's, dude, the drive sucks on like certain, <laughs> certain days. Some Sometimes it's a lot worse. It takes me like an average of like an hour and a half to get to rehearsal just one way. 
<laughs> and that's it's probably like 25 miles or 30 miles on a map or something, right? It's like, yeah, for real. dude, it's crazy. Yeah, the traffic is just stupid, man. Yep. That's uh, that's the toughest thing about being in this van is the, is the travel there. <laughs> I I want to I like laying stuff like that out for listeners from the Midwest and down south and places where they don't have that sort of traffic and yeah um, they got it good <laughs> dude well, yeah when I go on tour some it's a nice luxury you know it's it's it, I I or even upstate New York you know yeah yeah but but yeah you do it for the love of it man um so with that being said Jordan and knowing that you got to go see the boys give everybody my love at rehearsal um. Uh, obviously, we're going to ask you to plug and promote anything you like and anything we failed to mention. Uh, but as we round out the interview, I'm going to ask you the typical heavy hole podcast question. Could you please recommend for myself and the listeners uh, one older and one newer release by any artist? It doesn't have to be metal. doesn't have to be an album. It could be a demo, whatever. Just something from back in the day and something from a little bit more recent that you want us to check out. All right. So uh, as far as like some old school um i'd i'd say like say i could i i could put out there uh my favorite crowbar record because crowbar is my favorite band nice uh sonic exits in its purest form from start to finish banger nice and then like as far as like a newer release goes wow i'd say I, I can't even think of like the name of the record, but like the recent like stabbing album that came out, top notch. So I recommend that too. Let me um hold on just for the listeners real quick. I'm gonna uh, I have my smartphone here, just so the listeners know I'm I am uh, I'm not I'm not as caveman as I let on sometimes, man. Even with I'm I'm doing this. Is it was it a extirpated mortal process? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that, that shit's a banger. Shout out to Tom, my producer. I just looked that up all by myself. I didn't need any help. Um, yeah, no, Stabbing, great band. Not to be confused with Stabbed, um, a Long Island band who uh, um, shares members with my band, Exsanguinated. Stabbing from Texas. Afterbirth just had the pleasure and the honor of uh, opening up for them and defeated Sanity. I think that tour is probably concluded by now. Um, yeah, but th- they just recently did a big tour. Defeated Sandy Stabbing by way of Texas, great band. Uh, a lot, yeah, interesting guitar work on that. I thought. Yeah, dude. Yeah, definitely top notch. I know that dude, uh, Marvin. He used to play in Desecrate the Faith, and uh, he also just landed a big like guitar spot in another band or whatever. So, shout out to him. Bing That's bong. just gonna be sick. What what other bands? Am I I, I missed out and I miss on something or? Uh, or you can't yeah, I say. Know, I don't know if I can really talk about right, that okay, opportunity okay, he got, okay. but like, <laughs> okay, it, okay. it's pretty sick, pretty famous like Texas band. All right, my man. All I can all say right. is one three eight. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. Uh, shout out to him, man. Yeah, people people will hear about it. Keep checking Lamb Goat. You'll hear about it. All right. Um, yep. Uh, all right, cool, man. So Jordan, uh, Extreme Torture is the latest release by Immortal Suffering. Based out of Queens and Long Island nowadays, man. Um, as I said, we've interviewed other members of the band. You were kind of the last man standing from Mortal Suffering that we haven't interviewed lately. Um, really? Did you uh, interview Randall? No, no. Now Randall's the last man standing. So we got to get Randall in the house. 
Um, uh, but people can go back and check out all that stuff, man. Uh, Jordan, thank you so much. Is there anything I failed to mention in this interview or any final messages for uh, fans of your music? Um, I don't know. Keep keep supporting the underground, man. Like, um, like don't be a nerd. Support everything. <laughs> <laughs> don't, Simple stuff like that. Don't be a nerd unless you're gonna be a death metal nerd like me, man. Um, yeah, J- Jordan Mamaluke, <laughs> man. I appreciate your time, brother. And I know you got to go. Ra- you for the listeners. It just makes it that much more real that you're going to go out to rehearsal. We wish you a safe trip tonight um, and best in the future with Immortal Suffering. We're going to be on the lookout for all your new stuff, man. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, dude. Shout to uh, Jordan Mamaluke, man. We appreciate his time, man. Uh, good guy. Glad to have him on the podcast. Finally, it's been too long. Like I say, it's been too long with a lot of you guys out there, man. Um, uh, uh, don't don't take it personal. You know what I mean, man. Uh, the, the, I'm only one guy. We can only do one. Lately, it's like I can't even do one episode a week, man. Shout out to Tom behind the scenes holding me down, my producer. But I'm glad we got Jordan on, man. Go check out that new Immortal Suffering like we just talked about and check out all the music we talked about in that interview. Speaking of talking about music, uh, I got a few recommendos coming up. We're going to get to them right off the jump. Um, and then uh, one final show. Well, not I'm not, I'm not going to say final show. Something might pop off for the year. But one more show uh, for the season. Um, things slowing down on the live circuit. I'm going to talk about that. A few of my bands writing things behind the scenes. Um, I'll talk about that after these recommendations in case you don't care about Big Will's band. You just want to know what I got in the the crypt tonight. Something I may have mentioned on a previous episode. I'm getting to the point with this podcast where I feel like I might be double dipping sometimes. But I'm giving you guys three hot demos from the past and from the present um, tonight. So I'm going to start off with Euphoric Evisceration. Um, I feel like in this day and age, uh, still a fairly um, obscure band. from Wheeling, Illinois, United States, they did a um, demo called In the Mind of Perversion in 1996, came back with a three-song promo in 2010. Not much has been heard of them since. I don't know if they're going to resurface or if this demo is going to see a proper release, uh, a proper reissue, I should say, or re-release soon. But you could find it. I, I, you know, you could look it up on YouTube and your, your various sites that you youngsters might go to. I don't know. But um, this is a really cool little demo, six songs. It's, uh, for those of you who might be familiar with when I talked about my, uh, um, on the, on the Patreon, our, our, uh, Wisconsin episode. And I, I kind of like revered this doomy slow style of death metal. That was a little bit similar to obituary and it's old school death metal groove, but had some, some elements of atmosphere too. This definitely embodies some of that. It's, um, it's not, it's a long listen. These songs are not necessarily uh, quick grinders or quick catchy groovers. These are um, mid '90s brutal death metal songs. Uh, definitely, I would say also for people who are maybe from the early Cannibal Corpse era, uh, or or even I'm even going to say early Suffocation. 
uh, era, like, well, you know, we're talking like demo and, and, and human waste and, and maybe a little effigy. I'm, I'm not saying these guys necessarily have that whole sound down, but if you're looking for some of the uh, quote-unquote flood or gold rush of 90s death metal that was around in the mid to late 90s that kind of echoed early Cannibal Corpse and early Suffocation, this band is not a bad place to start. This demo, definitely not a... um bad gem to dust off for the evening. Another thing that makes it interesting is it's not necessarily clear on the credits, but there are some obviously kind of homemade uh, electronic synthesizer interludes and, and um, outros used. That's That kind of gives it a different atmosphere and a little bit of a unique identity uh, compared to other things for, for, from the time that sounds similar. Um, it's, it's worth a shot. It's worth a listen. There are some groove parts. This also reminded me a little bit of Disgorged, uh, past tense Disgorged from upstate New York, who we've talked about in the past, who used a lot of groove and a lot of slam, but not necessarily in the way that bands like Internal Bleeding and Suffocation and Pyrexia have capitalized on it, uh, in a more drawn out early death metal, early American death metal way of slam in the same way that I've said obituaries pioneered slam in their own way with the groove that they, they put into their music. But that's a conversation for another day. This euphoric evisceration demo um, from 1996, definitely worth your time um, and, and, and worth uh, a listen, even though it's a little bit more drawn out. For people who may have gotten into the band's Viogression um, and, and their albums uh, through, through this podcast or not, or have heard me talk about them, that's, that's a good reference point for this or, or um, Afterlife. Uh, I think that band was an Indiana band I spoke about. I may have had an Indiana Patreon. I'd have to go back and check right now. But I kind of revered this doomy, old-school sound of, of these bands. Um, and there is elements of atmosphere, too. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it at that. Um, euphoric evisceration in the Mind of Perversion demo from 1996. Tom, thank you. <laughs> I'm slowly creeping towards uh, the future, uh, as we all are. No, um, uh, uh, slow down. I'm actually creeping towards uh, 2017. I want to talk about a band called Extraneous with their demo from 2017 called Lonesome Death. Um, This is just kind of like a one-and-done demo by guys that have done other projects uh, that I'll get into. But right off the bat, I want to, this is like very special. I went, I knew I was going to be winging this um, uh, episode alone tonight. So I wanted to find a few special demos and and, um, something really cool to recommend. I listened to a lot of things last night and this really stood out. I really appreciated this uh, um, band extraneous uh, lonesome death demo, 2017. And maybe the fact that it's just a demo is what makes it perfect. It's like, um, uh, and as much as I hate doing band comparisons, I am going to say it reminds me something of um, uh, impaled intestine ballism um, and uh, maybe depravity from from Finland, impaled in their best moments, I would say, um, in the sense 
that this takes a lot of established, um, traditional Swedish death metal techniques, embellishes them with over-the-top melodic guitar solos, but they kind of, they do their own thing too. There are some really interesting, violent, weird vocal uh, parts and different vocal effects and vocal techniques used that stand out. This is, it's just uh, a, a really... It's, it's a freak of an, a freak of a band, and it's almost you know I, I would welcome a full length or a return by this band, but it's they they just have this one lonesome death demo from 2017. But I know that members of this band are in um, uh, just judging here off of off of uh, metal archives. The drummer uh, Charlie Corin ascended den blood ascended ascended dead excuse me blood soaked chthonic deity uh, decrepacy funibarum. That's interesting. Um, negative prayer, a lot of bands, uh, live for Holder, live and incantation, Morbid Angel live, I'd like to get this guy on, shout out to Charlie Corin, um, also members of, uh, Mangled Corpse, Chaotic Injustice, uh, Volnir, uh, Destructive Impulse, there's a lot, there's a lot going on with these guys, so these guys are all busy with other projects, but if you look up Extraneous from Portland, Oregon, 2016 Lonesome Death Demo. I know it's available on Bandcamp, my streaming platform of choice. Um, uh, uh, definitely just worth worth a listen, man. Like I said, if you're into those bands I mentioned that kind of did a post-90s, or I should say like post-first post wave Swedish death metal take on that sound, embellishing it a little bit in their own ways, this is something very freakish to look at, man. Really monstrous riffs, cool guitar tone, um, and you gotta you gotta admit parts that are inspired by and harken back to, um, like I say, the genius of intestine ballism, and I would even compare it to depravity and maybe certain certain moments of Impaled's career, man. So just, with no further ado, man, just... Tom, bring in a little bit of that um, extraneous with their Lonesome Death Demo 2017, man. I missed this one. Maybe you did, too. And you know what? I got a um, an extra. We usually just do the two recommendations, man. But tonight, since I'm flying solo, and I'm just giving you a little brief clip of what I have to say about it, not much exchange. I'm going to give you a little bonus one. So we're doing a third one here. Like I said, I went through um, a lot of uh, uh, newer demos and newer EPs that came out, a lot of great stuff. But this one really stood out to me. And I said, I got to get this up on the podcast, man. If people haven't heard about it or if they've been vibing on it and, you know, they're you know, they're, they're glad somebody else knows about it. Maybe like I am sometimes hearing about things. I want to talk about stenched, uh, the band stenched from Mexico. I feel like I've heard of this band name or this band stenched, um, holler at anyone, you know, holler at me if I forgot about that, but let me know. But stenched from Mexico with their gorging on mephitic rot demo, uh, 2023. That's head split records for you. Um, brutal and stompy, some groove, but not in a way that's overtly modern. 
new school. I wouldn't say this is slam, quote unquote. This is brutal death metal. Um, the standout thing for me and for some people, I obviously is the vocals. The vocals capture perfectly that kind of demo era, slow end slurpiness of uh, uh, the vocals of Demolich uh, and Adramalek. Uh, um, uh, I always also talk about the um, some of the older Squash Bowls recordings, just a kind of low end. Uh, bowly soupiness to the vocals, um, which I know it sounds funny, man, but there's just something about those vocals over that that that, that low end death metal, man. This this it's I feel like it almost goes into gore grind territory at times. There's definitely groove, uh, but again, not too modern. It's not slam. It's not all breakdowns. Uh, it's it's just a brutal death metal band. Uh, that veers into gore grind territory. This is some really cool shit that's worth a shot, and it has some atmosphere to it, has some darkness to it. Um, there's, there's definitely, it's, it's, you know, it's not just, uh, with all due respect to caveman death metal, this is a little dark and a little atmospheric compared to some bands that are more blatantly banging you over the head with their sound. Um, and again, the vocals are perfect. The the d- down to the tone and the recording of them. This is just for those who, if you know, you know. This is you know something to to check out and to listen to. Um, that being said, too, the logo, the art, and the aesthetic are another perfect example of less is more. If you like, I do peruse new demos and new death metal bands, just trying to keep on top of this flood of bands and try to find some of the better ones. There is definitely an aesthetic out there of this very simplified uh, um, kind of one one color, uh, monochromatic, pardon me, uh, uh, image uh, of, of just the logo and, and, uh, and an image that seems maybe even like, you know, peeled from a Dungeons and Dragons book or a horror novel or something like that. It's a very simple approach that is kind of... Um, Maybe in some ways uh, showing reverence to the old school and the and the old photocopy demo days. I'm not mad at it. I really enjoyed this. So I'm just gonna say that Headsplit Records um, put this out in some form or another, and you can check these guys out on Bandcamp. Stenched uh, from Mexico, gorging on mephitic rot uh, demo uh, from June 2023, uh, fresh off the plate. Tom, give them a little taste of that. Check out some of that music that we talked about tonight. Thank you very much to my guest, Jordan Mamaluke, Jordan Fontana from Immortal Suffering. Uh, be sure to go check out Immortal Suffering. They've been getting out a lot lately. They just put out new material. We talked about it. Uh, please support those guys. Um, and speaking of support, this is the time where I shamelessly try to plug my own stuff. We don't, I've been, I, all summer I've been telling you guys about the tours and the thing and the that. Man, I got one thing to talk about now. Like I said, I'm barreling down on work. Um, I'm getting maintenance done. On, on my Jeep, uh, it's trucked out with me through a lot of places. Those of you who follow us on IG, so I had to take my dad's truck to Philly. Uh, that was a good look. Uh, RIP to my dad always. 
um, supporting the scene still. Uh, cleaning out the garage lately. Um, uh, my dad, my dad left behind a number of tools, a lot of, a lot of things, man. Cleaning that up, getting inspiration for reeking aura. Uh, again, if you know, you know. Now, um, speaking of reeking aura, we're very proud and happy to be performing um, at Spooky Fest. Uh, which is a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday event. Uh, we're playing Friday, October the 27th. Um, uh, let's see. I'm just trying to, I just want to make sure I don't step on any toes. I know they're, like, announcing certain things. I don't know if other things have been announced. I am going to talk more about this fest. Uh, so if you if you know something and you're like, why didn't Will say that? It's because I don't know what's been announced yet. I'm following them on IG here. But I can tell you so far that on Friday, the 27th of October, Reeking Aura will be part of the first day of Spooky Fest. Spooky Fest. Spooky Fest. At uh, QXT's and the Meat Locker. I believe that Friday it's going to be at the Meat Locker. But um, you can look up Spooky Fest uh, New Jersey at Spooky Fest NJ at, uh, on Instagram. Uh, this is a big fest going on the end of October, the last weekend of October, I should say, in New Jersey, in North Jersey, just outside of New York City. Uh, in addition to my shameless plug for my band Reeking Aura, um, you have headlining acts Nunslaughter, Devil Master, Outer Heaven, Final Gasp, No Mas, uh, Spider, uh, I believe, like sp- sp- S-P-I-T-E-R, I believe, Ground, Jersey Boys back at it, Weeping, Jersey in the house all day. Um, you have a lot of bands here. Organ Dealer, speaking of Jersey. Sunrot, speaking of um, uh, 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 New Jersey, man. Again, my, my band, Reeking Aura, is kind of a New Jersey band in some ways, but that's a conversation for a different time. Check them out. All right, man. Um, uh, Spooky Fest uh, uh, NJ, at Spooky Fest NJ on Instagram. Uh, the last weekend of October, it's going down in North Jersey, man. So that's that's pretty much my only plug for shows my band's got coming up, man. I appreciate you guys bearing with us, to, uh, not just this week, but I know lately we've been a little bit uh, on and off with the posting. I assure you that's completely me. If the episodes are going up a day or two late or over the weekend, um, it's because I'm trying to tie things together and hold them down. Uh, my loyal producer, Tom, is always behind the scenes holding everybody down. Shout out to him for, for hosting the show. Um, uh, and formatting it last week too, man. Like I said, man, I've been playing these shows. Shout out to St. Vitus Bar, Massa Pico VFW, and everything else. Uh, and behind the scenes, shout out to my garage. <laughs> we're 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 we're, we're uh, uh, gradually plumbing the depths of that cavern and producing uh, rusted tools that uh, may or may not make it into the lyrics of the next Reeking Aura album. Um. But that's about it for today, man. I appreciate you guys. Follow us. We got the Patreon, Heavy Hole Podcast on Patreon. We got bonus episodes. I know we owe you one for this month. Coming straight at you, man. I'm working on it, cooking it up in the oven this fall. We're going to be raking the leaves and uh, uh, talking metal coming up soon. Don't worry about it, man. The heat wave is almost over, hopefully, man. Shout out to everybody out there. Uh, Heavy Hole Podcast at gmail.com. And the voicemail number should be in the description where you're listening to this. Um, let us know what's on your mind, what you're listening to, what's going on in your area, what's going on that you don't like or that you do like on this in the scene or something else or whatever, man. Um, thank you very much, man. Heavy Hole Podcast. I appreciate you guys for bearing with me because it's a little lonely when the, the whole uh, um, the whole on mic team is down to one. Mm-hmm.